0: We are now 21st century. Time always moving with new time, new reality there. So we have to accept the new reality, the facing new reality, but our perception is the old thinking. Then, you see, uh, I think a lot of problem, unnecessary problem, you see, happen. So we must act according new reality. Otherwise, you see, there's a gap, the, our perception and the reality gap. So then all our efforts become unrealistic. So therefore, I think now interest, seriously, serious interest about global warming or environment issue, I think... Now, this is one hopeful sign. Now, I think the, you see, the taking care about our only home, uh, this planet, is not just government's responsibility. All humanity, all individual have the responsibility. Uh, and then, uh, I always telling, the war, bloodshed, immediately striking in our mind. Uh, but the damaging, the ecology or these global sort of say, the warming, these things, without much sort of, uh or say, obvious, but invisibly, you see, month by month, uh, decaying. So once we feel some difficulties to breathing, difficulties to eyes, and particularly children. Then maybe too late. So therefore, this is something very serious. And then we, each of us, seven billion human being, the taking care about global sort of these global issue should be our part of our life. So in our daily life, always you see keep some sort of say the serious sort of thinking. Uh, If I do this, oh, it uh, eventually some effect. So if I do one single person, then other 10 people, 100 people, 100,000, then so change. Start from individual. Then you see effect.
1: Welcome to the Green Tech podcast series featuring Samantha Pfau. This series is an exploration in awareness and solutions using green technology to help heal our planet. This is Samantha coming back to you with another episode of Be Decent, the Green Tech Podcast. Today we're talking about trash. Where does it come from? Where does it go? Um, As with every topic in this podcast, we're going to, you know, give a little bit of an overview about how pressing this environmental problem really is just to make sure that it hits home that, you know, hey, we maybe ought to do something about it. Um, But, you know, uh, that thing isn't necessarily turning to, uh, you know, our political and economic leaders for help. They have really had their chance to rise to the occasion um, and they have failed to do so. So today, we are talking about trash. Where does it come from? Where does it go? Um, For many of us, the little bits of trash that we put into the garbage, um, you know, it's pretty much out of sight, out of mind. Um, You know, we feel it's a responsible way to dispose of our trash by, you know, like wrapping it up and putting it out on the curb and, you know, having it be picked up and all those sorts of things. Um, But in truth, um, unfortunately, our waste management system is just not fantastic. Um, Firstly, uh, a lot of these little bits of plastic and paper and metal and styrofoam and whatnot, um, they end up escaping those those landfills, um, which are not great in and of themselves, and um, incinerators and other waste management um, infrastructure, Um, and they end up getting sprinkled all along the roadside and all across our natural spaces. Um, This trash becomes litter right? Um, It's really gross. And uh, unfortunately, it's become kind of like white noise, right? You know, there has been so much uh, little bits of trash uh, just strewn across the United States that, um, you know, it's just kind of faded into the background of our natural landscapes. Um, But unfortunately, uh, you know, even... as sad as it is that um, it has this impact on our nation's natural beauty and our aesthetic enjoyment, um, it gets worse, right? Because all of these little bits of litter really don't stay put. Uh, they are blown around by the wind. They are flooded by rain into storm drains. Um and they eventually end up in the ocean. Uh, most of the things that you put down a storm drain are eventually just, you know, led through a series of tubes and tunnels that just, you know, d- dumped directly into some sort of waterway. Um, and as a result, over nine million tons of plastic enter our oceans every year. Um, to give you an idea of the scale of this volume, um, it's about one full-sized garbage truck. Uh, <clears throat> it's about one full-size garbage truck dumping directly into the Atlantic or Pacific oceans every minute of the day. Um, much of this trash is accumulating uh, into an increasingly infamous landmark that is now known as the Pacific Garbage Island. Dun, dun, dun. Um. The Pacific Garbage Island is uh, currently made up of around 80,000 metric tons of plastic. Uh, It's just this massive, gooey, gross thing uh, of all of these uh, bits of plastic floating together in a massive, essentially, uh, seaborne landfill, um, it's just getting in big, it's just getting bigger and bigger uh, because, you know, we're dumping so much trash into the oceans um, and the currents are, are just kind of, you know, bringing it all into a, a giant mass. Um, one study has predicted that by 2050, the plastics floating around the ocean will actually weigh more than all of the fish that live in it. Um... Beyond being totally gross, right, Um, this plastic is presenting a real threat to marine life um, because, uh, you know... Larger marine mammals, uh, seabirds, um, you know, all sorts of uh, predatory ocean life eat fish and they often mistake these bits of plastic for food. Um, and since plastic can't be digested, it just sits in their stomachs and eventually they starve to death. It's super sad. Um, This is currently happening to an estimated 90 percent of seagulls. Um, you know, they're just out there, you know, picking up things from the beach and from the, from the shoreline, uh, and that are not edible. They're eating it anyway, and it's just sitting in their stomachs, um, until they die from malnourishment. It's super, super sad. Um, but this is, uh, really only one half of the story, right? Uh, this is only an answer to the question of where our trash goes, but where does it come from? Um, Well, like many terrible things that have happened in world history, it actually started as a bit of a juicy conspiracy among super wealthy people. (laughs) Um, Once upon a time, as in the time of the 1930s and 1940s in the United States, containers were mostly reusable. Coca-Cola bottles, milk jugs, you know, all sorts of beverages came in glass bottles that were returned and sanitized and reused. The same was true for other things. Um, You know, they had diaper services and linen cleaning services, you know, or so I've been Hold. Uh, things just came in packages uh that were built for reuse. And we had an entire economy that was built around this function. People just lived this way, right? You know, reduce, reuse, recycle um, was, you know, not uh just a turn of phrase, it was a way of life. But unfortunately, um this all changed. Uh this all changed when Uh, the growing plastics industry of the post-World War II era started to smell money. Uh, Some smart people in big boardrooms figured out that if they could get everything that people were reusing uh, put into disposable plastic packaging instead, uh, they could make a killing, right? Uh, Package everything in actual garbage, uh, mark it up within the supply chain, force people to buy it they have to throw it away and then you get to sell it to them over and over and over again genius right so today litter is everywhere because we buy it uh it's purchased from upstream suppliers uh they wrap it around our consumer goods and then they sell it to us um Then we are left to manage the incredible amounts of waste um, that this incredibly irresponsible system accumulates through, you know, public expenditures uh, for waste management, um, which is, uh, you know, honestly a pretty, pretty difficult and uh, hefty, hefty thing. So, you know... um, the truth is whenever you point the finger of blame you often find one pointing right back at you uh, this is just as true with respect to trash and litter um, as it is with anything else right so as much as you know I'm kind of pointing the finger over at you know the the folks upstream in our economic system that are rapid, that are that are wrapping everything in uh, disposable pla uh, <clears throat> excuse me as much as I am pointing the finger of blame at the people in our economy that are upstream, that are rapid, that are wrapping everything that we buy in uh, trash, um, you know, there is plenty of people that would say, "Hey, you know what? You have a problem with plastic pollution. Well, shame on you. Bring your res- bring your reusable cup to Starbucks. Uh, bring your eco friendly totes to the grocery store." Uh, you know, hey, if you if you have a problem with you know climate change, debt finance, and electric vehicle, stop using so much electricity. Figure out how to ride a bike or a scooter or you know walk everywhere you need to go. Right? Well, no, not right. I I really just don't um, subscribe to that ideology because the fact of the matter is is that we did not build our cars to run on fossil fuels. We did not design our transportation infrastructure or our waste management infrastructure to be as wasteful and irresponsible as it is Um, we are not the we were not the geniuses in the suits in the boardrooms who decided that every consumer product should come in disposable packaging Um, but we can do something about it thanks to green tech and the increasing power of grassroots activism 2.0 um, we can spread information uh, through the increasing access to information that we have through you know all of our smartphones and smart devices to just support our community's awareness in response to local environmental problems. Um, that's something that's accessible to everyone, right? You know, share, repost. It's fun. It's cool. It, you know, in, it it adds to the conversation. It adds to the to the to the public awareness of things that are affecting your community's environmental health and safety environmental health and safety. And if you want to, um, you can use even more advanced forms of uh, green tech, decent tech, uh, to help out the planet. Um, Like, for example, uh, cryptocurrency that supports crypto conservation um so crypto conservation is already a thing um we are seeing more and more effective applications of this type of decent tech um you know for anyone who's familiar with cryptocurrencies the 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 most famous one is bitcoin like that was really you know sort of the the, the, the first one that really broke through um you know to to kind of um you know uh anyway um So anyone who um, is familiar with cryptocurrency has probably heard of it through Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin was really, you know, the first mainstream cryptocurrency. And, um, you know, it really just it, blockchain technology is a type of decent tech um, that exists in the public domain. And so people can use it, uh, you know, for all sorts of creative applications. Um, Eco innovator uh, gain forest. <clears throat> Eco-innovator Gainforest is doing just that. They are using cryptocurrencies, specifically smart contracts, to incentivize farmers in the Amazon rainforest um, to preserve property. Uh, instead of farming it. And they are receiving in return financial rewards. These financial rewards are crowdfunded from the international community that wants to support uh, the preservation of the Amazon rainforest through the Gainforest platform. And uh, it's not just totally, you know, a digital platform. They also use remote sensing through satellites uh, to confirm that A particular geolocated patch of rainforest is verifiably being preserved. Um, every time this happens, it triggers a smart contract uh, that runs on the blockchain to transfer a payment to the farmer that has made that effort. So um, it's really amazing. It's really incredible. It's the exact type of grassroots, decent tech um, that um, environmental innovators, green tech innovators are coming up with. Uh, And this is largely happening from the bottom up, right? This is happening because blockchain is in the public domain, and people can do all sorts of creative and cool things with it. But um, it's not just happening from the bottom up; it's also happening from the top down. Uh, IBM, Microsoft, Google—all the big names in big tech are making blockchain moves, and a lot of them are using their blockchain technology to, uh, you know, make the world cleaner, happier, safer better for all of us. Um, One example is IBM. IBM has a really powerful blockchain platform, and they have built a super cool thing they are calling the IBM Plastic Bank. Um, the IBM Plastic Bank is a solution built on the IBM blockchain uh, that lets people collect and trade plastic waste uh, for other commodities and items that they need. Um, it uses the same, you know, sort of uh, verification and accessibility uh, benefit that blockchain technology uh, is Offering for people that are uh, preserving the rainforest through gain forest, um, but it's um, instead applying this um, for the uh, you know mitigation of all the plastic pollution that we have that's uh, floating around our natural environment. So even though we have some really hefty problems, uh, you know, facing our planet and our community, uh, particularly our community's environmental health. Um, you know we are definitely empowered to do something about it thanks to the power of decentralized technology and activism 2.0 you know this is a conversation about realistic solutions um, to really big problems Um, it's about empowerment um, and uh, I hope that um, you have enjoyed this time I certainly have I look forward to um, speaking with you about our next topic toxins in your town. How bad is it? Spoiler alert, it's really, really bad. Talk to you about it then.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the rate and review section. Thanks, everyone.